So we are in the middle of a series on prayer, and we're talking about uh, spiritual practices that we, we try to do as part of our following of Jesus. And so I know this is an intro you've heard before, but if you weren't here, basically what we do is twice a year, okay, we take a spiritual practice like prayer or reading the Bible or practicing the Sabbath or generosity, and we teach on it for a month, and we all practice it. So we do a little bit something different each week, and I hand out a practice to you, like a, something to go home and do. So the first week, we were praying through prayer on our own. The last week, we were um, doing contemplative prayer. I gave you some options for that. So you could do an examine, which is a kind of a form of prayer. You could do uh, what's called a daily office. This week, we're sw- switching gears from praying for ourselves to praying for others. Okay, and so this is going to be, uh, here's what we're going to do. On your way out today at the door, I'm going to ask Hannah and Samuel, you're going to stand there with these prayer cards. Can you hand me one? I'd love for you to take, you're just going to like grab 10 and just hand them to every person who walks out, okay? We have 1,000, so we have enough, all right? I get these printed in a place that the lowest they do is 1,000, and it's like $45. It's ridiculous. So um, I, I, I've never done this before in my life, but I, I started doing this two weeks ago, and I actually think it's helpful. If you don't want to do this, that's fine. We're still going to give them to you, throw them away, give them to somebody else, find a stranger. I don't care. But on the front, it, it's, it, this is really complicated. I know. I just want to explain it because I know you guys, you know, not that bright. But on the front, you write down what you're praying for, okay? It's not that hard. It's like, but what am I praying for? You write down a name of a person or a thing, and what are specific prayer points? Write those down. And on the back, if the Lord speaks to you while you're praying, some more thoughts, or if you see God answer it, and then you can have like a deck of prayer. I know it's just like, you know, but you have like, and in the morning when you pray or whatever, you just like go like this, pray through. I have two right now that I've been praying for for two weeks, and it actually is helpful because you know what? I don't forget. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you forget when you want to pray for someone? Okay, you, you two honest people in the whole crew. Okay, so, right, oh, Josh, did you raise your hand? All right, three honest. No, you didn't? Okay, straight up liar. All right, so, so this is our practice for this week. This is all, all we're doing is I want you to, I challenge you to fill out some of these and pray through them every day. Okay, that's it. Um, recently, I had a friend text me and Mandy, and this person, she was asking for prayer because she was headed somewhere uh, into a situation that she was not sure how stressful it was going to be, and she was already starting to feel anxiety over the situation. And so this is what we do. We pray for each other. So she texted us, and we prayed for her, Mandy and I, and we actually did. Like, this is a thing I'm not going to say we're perfect at, but we really do try. What I do is when someone asks me to pray for them, I stop and pray right then so that I don't forget. You know, it's like, oh, I'll pray later, and then that means never. So, but we prayed for her a couple times. And then she texted us later that night, and she was like, it was incredible. Like, as soon as I pulled into the driveway, I just felt this peace. And, I, and by the time I got inside, I was like, why was I worried? And I just felt this peace, and it was fine. Everything went well. And I know that's like, it sounds like a small example, but I tell that story on purpose because it's not like, you know, and then, you know, they were miraculously raised from the dead, right? It's like not like this story you're going to write home about, but it's an everyday thing. And that's what prayer is. We, we, I believe that God heard our prayer and moved in that situation in a way that maybe he wasn't going to if we didn't show our dependence on God. If she didn't show her humility, and these are all backed up by verses in the Bible, right? Like God lifts up those who humble themselves, right? He hears our prayers. He hears the prayers of the righteous. Like when we humble ourselves, he comes 
near us. He is near to the brokenhearted. And so in the act of asking for prayer, we're actually starting a spiritual process that God will move towards. God move toward, moves towards humility. He moves towards brokenness. He moves towards us when we recognize our need for him. And in that moment, somehow, which we don't fully understand, or at least I don't, God works in prayer and through prayer when we pray for each other. And the kind of prayer we're talking about this week is intercessory prayer. That's just like the word, you know, like I just, I normally just say pray for each other or pray for others. But if you want to look back historically, this is called intercessory prayer where we stand in the gap. We stand in for somebody else. Someone else is having a hard time and it's like us standing in front of them and protecting them in the spirit. It's us standing behind them and holding their arms up in the spirit. We are joining with what God wants to do. We're partnering with what God wants to do in that moment in that person's life. That's intercessory prayer. What prayer is can be complicated, though, because you're sitting here and you're listening to me, and even you're listening to that story I just told, and I want to just ask you, how did that story hit you? When you hear that story, are you like, praise God, that's awesome, or are you like, ah, she probably was going to be fine? I mean, how can you prove that that was prayer? And I think that we are all on that spectrum somewhere. And that's the hard thing with prayer is you can't, well, I mean, except for like miracles, but even those people argue about, right? I mean, even it tells us that when Jesus ascended into heaven, that there was people worshiping. And then the last part of that sentence is, and a few doubted. Like, seriously? Yeah, I don't know, probably some, I mean, they didn't even know about special effects or anything. Like, I don't understand how they could have doubted, but somehow they doubted. And so even when you see, a, a, like, that was an answer to prayer, and it hits you in the face, some of us are like, ah. You know, we have these questions. Is, 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 is everything predetermined? Like, Christians, honest Christians, argue about this stuff and have good conversations. Does the Bible teach that everything is predetermined? And therefore, does prayer really matter? Can God be sovereign but still be moved by prayer. How can God know the future, but yet not force the future? How can he know what you're going to do, but not make you do it? Somehow God foreknew that he would give that person peace in that moment. So was our prayer worthless? Or could, does he somehow operate in a way where our prayer actually influenced him? He just knew that it would happen, but he didn't make it happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I, listen, I want to just tell you, I am not going to address this today, okay? I thought about it, okay? I reached out to a good friend of mine, James Leonard is here, and in my notes it says, if you have questions, James Leonard, okay? So that's it. That's all I want to tell you. You could be Calvinist. You could be Arminian. You could be in the middle, which is Molinism, yeah, which I just learned about. I'm going to be honest with you. The vineyard really lands in the tension of the middle a lot of the time on many issues theologically, and this would be one of them. The sovereignty of God, the free will of man, sometimes seem like they are in, uh, like mutually exclusive, like they can't work together. But the vineyard embraces the tension, and here's why. They both seem to be taught in Scripture. And so it doesn't go towards your, what, what can you understand easier, or what makes most sense to you, or what have you seen work, or what's your experience? It really, our theology should go, should come from the Bible. And if the Bible is preaching the foreknowledge and the sovereignty and even sometimes the foreordination of God and yet the total, complete, what's the word, libertarian free will of God? Look, I got you. Boom. I sound so smart. 
I did zero work for it. But if it teaches both of those things, then for me personally and for the vineyard, they both must be true. And guess what? Maybe you're not going to understand it. And I think that really bothers us. And so what, what I want to say is, you should study this. You should study this. You should learn about Calvinism, Molinism, Arminianism. You should study the Bible for sovereignty versus free will. You should study it and have an opinion and learn and read papers by James Leonard. You should. It's really enlightening. They're very, very long, okay? But you should read them. And it would be good for you. And also, you should just pray. Okay? Dallas Willard wrote this. God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he's answering our prayer when he is only doing what he is going to do anyway. Now listen, I know for some of you, you don't agree with this. And that's okay. I'm just sharing with you where where I land, okay? Our Our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. How? I don't fully know, okay? The mechanics of it, like guys, I drive cars all the time. I gotta tell you, I don't really understand how they work. I don't. I mean, theoretically, like you put gas in there and somehow, like, doesn't it catch on fire, which seems really dangerous to be driving around, but it's like causing explosions, which moves things. And I don't know. Some people do. Dan, my friend Dan, he understands all that stuff, right? I I, I was trying to fix my brakes a couple months ago and and I was like bleeding air out. and, And really what I was doing is I was like loosening the wrong screw and like just leaking brake fluid all over the floor. Like, I have no idea how cars work, but I, I'm not like, well, I refuse to drive them. You don't see me riding a horse and buggy around. I do understand those a little bit more, right? But I still drive cars. I just don't understand how they work. I still pray. And I don't know why God does what I ask him to do sometimes and doesn't other times. I don't know why it takes one prayer sometimes and one year sometimes, but I still pray. The idea that everything would happen exactly as it does, regardless of whether we pray or not, is a specter that haunts the minds of many who sincerely profess belief in God. And I find that to be true, that often our doubt and skepticism of whether prayer matters or not keeps us from praying at all, which I think is maybe the worst outcome, okay? It makes prayer psychologically impossible, replacing it with dead ritual at best. Okay, so I'm going to just don't pay attention to these next few slides, okay? Because we're running up, like, yeah, those are really good points I was going to make. Okay, here we go. Basically, all of that was me showing you that prayer throughout the Bible has moved God. Believe me? Good. All right. Intercessory prayer is messy, but don't let that you. That's the thought for today. Intercessory prayer is messy. That's no A plus B equals C. It's not, you know, I, if I pray this way with one foot off the ground, facing east, then boom, you know, automatic. Or if I, this prayer takes six prayers and that one takes 20. I really don't think that there's a lot of formulas. Now there's verses about prayer in the Bible you should go read and there are some things that you can learn about prayer definitely. We can grow in prayer. In fact, you know how you get better at praying? Say it with me. You pray. Yeah. It's just like anything, right? Like you get better at driving. Why am I obsessed with cars today? You get better at driving by driving, better at soccer by playing soccer. You get better at speaking in front of people, hopefully, please God, by doing it repetitively. And yes, you get better at praying by praying. Can you get better at praying? Sure. You can learn to pray. You can learn to grow in prayer. If you feel like I'm a novice, great. You've got to start somewhere. And I would put myself in that boat. I am not great at praying for people. (laughs) Ha ha. This is my daily office alarm. It makes me, I'm supposed to pray right now. Can you guys all just wait? I have to pray for two minutes. 
Just kidding, I'll do it later. Just kidding, I won't. Okay. I want to walk you through. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to try to get through this in 10 minutes, and then Michelle has an amazing testimony that she's going to share. And we're not going to sing our last song. And even with all that, we may go five minutes over. And you're all okay with that, right? Amen. Okay. So I want to read you this story from Acts 12, okay? And I think it's very instructive to prayer. So it was about the time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Okay, if you're not familiar with the Bible, I should have said this. Acts is the book that comes after the accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then this is like the account of the early church after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, okay? And so we're reading through here. He's taken James, who's one of the 12 disciples, and had him killed. When he saw that this met with approval amongst the Jews, he then grabbed Peter. So what do you do when you want to stop a movement? You start killing off the leaders, right? Chop off the head and the body dies. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four shoulders, soldiers each, which would be how many soldiers? 16. Come on, Chris, you're lying. Four squads of four. Oh, shoulders. Okay. Well, wouldn't that be 32 then? Okay. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Okay. So right away, this story starts in a kind of a bad spot. And what I want to do as we read this story together is put ourselves in it. So have you ever been in a place Now, listen, I wrote this teaching before I found out about everything with 1 in 7b, right? Have you ever been in a place where you feel like everything has fallen out from under you? Have you ever been in a place where you feel like, and and maybe today, this is what you need to hear from from the teaching, is that you're, you're hurting right now. You might be in a place right now where life is just going the opposite direction. Think about the church right now. The church is... James has just been killed. I mean, think about this. Everybody in the Jerusalem church would know James. It wouldn't just be like, oh, some random pastor in America, right? It would be like, you know, me. And you'd be sad, right? Just say you would be. Okay. It'd be a very close friend. They've been through thick and thin together. The the ones who are really close to him have lived every day together, right? They were traveling with Jesus every day together, and now he's gone. Imagine the pain. And then they've seized Peter. Like, They're quickly losing people who had actually been with Jesus. What are we going to do? And what do they do? Of all the things they could do, they pray. Peter was kept in prison, but the church, listen to the church. Listen, this is who we are. We might not always do it, but this is who we are. This is our DNA. This is what we should be like. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. They didn't see a way out. What do you think they thought was going to happen to Peter? He's going to get killed. They ju- the guy just killed James. He saw it made the Jews happy. So he went and grabbed the next leader he could find. Peter's about to die. They're, they're, they're not like, you know, praying like, you know, a passing prayer. Like they are crying out to God for the future of Christianity. They're crying out to God for their friend for, to save his life. Right? And I, I wonder... How many of us are in a place where you are like, I need someone to be praying for me like that? I wonder how many of you are in a place where you're you're thinking, I need people in my life who would actually come alongside of me when my business is going south, when my relationships are struggling, or maybe something right now in your life, you're like, I need prayer right now. 
but you don't have that community or you don't have that connections or you're afraid to ask for prayer. But this is the power of the church is when we humble ourselves and ask for people to pray for us, God will move on our behalf. Or you might be in a place where you know you should be praying and you know someone's in some situation and maybe today God would motivate you to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm gonna commit to start praying for you. In fact, my amazing pastor just gave me these really cool cards and I'm gonna put your name on one of them. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. How many chains, Chris? Two, all right. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. Which I, there's a lot of stuff in this story I find kind of humorous and this is the first one. Like, why did he just like gently wake him up? I just pictured the, the angel being like, wake up, Peter. Okay, so he struck Peter on the side, woke him up, quick, get up. He, he, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists and the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so, wrap your cloak around you, follow me. I gotta get through this, okay? Sorry, guys. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that the angel was doing was really, that what the angel was doing was really happening. Isn't that incredible? Peter is just like getting dressed and following this guy out, but he thinks he's dreaming. He thinks this is maybe a vision. He's had, if you know the the history of Peter, he's had like really open-eyed trances before with the Lord. He's like, wow, this, I wish this was really happening because this would be great. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. He's like, this is a cool dream. It's like those dreams you have when you're like flying, you know, or, you know, like, or like, like invaders come into your house and you take them all out. Is that just me? But, um, and then when they walked the length of the street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and he said, oh, this is real. Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent the angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Isn't that awesome? What I love most about it is Peter didn't believe it was happening. And I just want to say, like, maybe that's you. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you don't know what God is up to. And you're you're trusting God. And maybe you're seeing some of what God's doing in your life. But you're like, I don't know what this means. Do you ever have a hard time figuring out what God's doing in your life? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Right? God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And you see him moving sometimes. Didn't Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit, that it was like the wind? And you can see the effects of the wind, right? You can say, oh, those those tree branches are moving, right? But much like cars, I don't understand. How does wind happen? Where does it come from? I don't know. I just trust that it happens. You guys are like, wow, he is an idiot. He doesn't know anything, right? So we see God moving, but you might not know what he's doing. You might not know what he's trying to communicate to you. You might not be sure what he's trying to accomplish in your life. And yet, what did Peter do? He just followed. He stuck with him. Here comes the best part of the story and one of the best characters in the Bible. We're going to meet Rhoda. Are you ready? Have you, did you know Rhoda is in the Bible? How many people have ever heard of Rhoda before, right? This is amazing. Here we go. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. I don't think Mary is also called Mark. I think they're talking about John there, so just keep the commas straight. Where many people had gathered and were praying. So they're still praying. They're crying out to God. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, this is great, she didn't let him in. She is so excited. She is so excited that she ran back without opening the door. She said, Peter's at the door. Can you imagine? 
if you were in the prayer meeting. Now, place yourself in this story. You are praying for God to do something, and someone comes up and says, it's done. How do you respond? Are you like, yes! Or are you like, nah, come on now. You're out of your mind. That was their response. You're out of your mind. One time, Mandy and I were first married, and... uh, this bill, it was like probably a health bill. That's like all we ever get. This health bill came in. And I think it was like either four, it was $400, I think. And we were like, should we ask our parents for this? We don't have money for it. We're like, okay, for once in our lives, we're not going to ask our parents for help. We're going to pray. So we prayed, okay? And we're just like, Lord, we need you to provide for us. And we don't know how you're going to do it. And I'm not making this up. And it's not like this happened ever again in our life. One time. But I tell the story all the time because it's cool. We got the mail sometime later that week. And there was like an anonymous donation of $400 to us. Just like a check to Mandy and Christian for $400. And it was like, what? And Mandy was like, well, that's just a coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Of all people, Mandy would be like, thank you, Jesus. And I'd be like, nah, come on. That was already in the mail. Look at the the post stamp. Like it was already on its way before we prayed. It wasn't actually. I made that part up. Um. How do you respond? Like sometimes no matter what God does, we can't give him credit. It must be his angel. But Peter kept on talking. He's like, Rhoda, you know. <laughs> when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet because he's like, they're probably still looking for me, okay? Described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And then he left, which is, there's so much here to talk about. Oh my gosh, it's really interesting, but we can't talk about it right now. All right, so some other day. But how do you respond to when God answers prayer? Do you see God? Like, are you Rhoda or are you the disciples? Are you like, yes, I prayed and there's God. I see his hand working. It might not have been exactly what we were praying for. It might not have happened when we wanted it, but I see how God has responded to our prayers. Or are you like the disciples who are like, you are out of your mind. There's no way that's God. There's no way that God would answer our prayers like that. In fact, it's more likely it's his angel. They had more faith. Catch this that Peter was dead and visiting them from the grave than that God had answered their prayer. And these were the early disciples. Like these were, the, these were like the men and women of God who started the church. Doesn't that comfort you a little bit? That like when you're praying and you're like, oh, this is the most faith I can muster, God. Like we're walking in the same shoes. And yet God does miraculous things when we pray, even without much faith. Isn't that good news? Listen, intercessory prayer is messy. But don't let that stop you. You might not understand the mechanics of it. You might not always get what you want when you want it. Right? But you and I aren't called necessarily to understand the whole process. And we're not called to get everything we ask for. We are called to pray. Remember the verse that we read last week? Faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Will you and I be people of prayer? I want to give you three lightning quick points. You ready for this? Here they are. Boom. Here they come. It's really good. There. So this is how I would pray. If I was going to pray for people, I would pray specifically, consistently, and with my ears open. What that means is I wouldn't just pray, Jesus, help Elliot. Elliot's my son, right? Jesus, help Elliot. Amen. That's fine. Like the help prayer is actually a good one, you know, but like also Jesus, be with Elliot. I pray that you would bring friends to him that are you know, good Christians and follow Jesus, 
you know, be with him in his studies, help him to really understand what he's doing, you know, watch over him and keep him safe, like very specifically, that's why I put little dots underneath the prayer request, right? Be specific in your prayer, name it. God, we pray that you would release Peter from prison, that he would knock on the door and that Rhoda would leave him outside, amen. Right? I doubt that was exactly what they prayed. And pray consistently. Over and over and over again, Jesus talks about praying consistently. He does not tell parables about how you pray once and everything you want happen, everything you want happens. He tells parables about persistence, persistent knocking. Keep on knocking. You know, knock, seek, ask. That's all in the present tense, the ongoing present. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. There's a consistency. Why? I don't know. I, I wish I knew. I wish I could tell you. Well, how long? I don't know. Sometimes it seems to be longer for some things, shorter for other things. And sometimes you keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, and you don't see God doing what you want, but God does other things. In two weeks, we're going to hear about unanswered prayers. So if you're sitting here and you're like, listen, the big hang up for me is when God just doesn't answer prayers. Okay, we're talking about that in two weeks. So come back in two weeks, and you might as well come next week too. All right, and pray with your ears open, all right? What I mean by that is don't just come, we talked about this last week, but with a laundry list. Michelle, you can start making your way up. Where you're like, God, I need this and this and this and this and this and this, like you're going to Walmart, right? Pray, I'm praying for Elliot, and I'm also listening. I'm spending time listening, and the Lord might give me a Bible verse to pray specifically over him, okay? Or he might give me a specific um, idea that I need to share with him, or he might just like, craft my prayer, be like, yes, and be praying for peace. Like, Elliot, really, I didn't know that. Oh, Jesus, thank you. I'm praying for peace. I'll write that down. Prayer, pray with your ears open. It's, it's a partnership with the Lord. It's not just like you bossing him around. But I think if, if you were like, Christian, what are the basics of intercessory prayer? This is what I would say. This is what I do. I'm not a genius. I'm not great at prayer, but I would pray specifically, consistently, and with my ears open. And if you can start with that, listen, here's the deal. Anybody can do this. You can be five years old or 80 years old. You can be a brand new Christian. You can be in the faith for 40 years. You might not even believe in Jesus yet, and you can do this. You literally can, because you're praying you're not sure if he's real or not. Well, give him a chance. See what happens. It's not going to hurt you. Intercessory prayer is something literally everyone can do. And it's one of the easiest ways to partner with God and see him work in this world.